May God be gracious to us through the reading of his word. Would you turn and greet one another in the name of the Lord Jesus this morning? Greet him in the name of the Lord. That is good. <laughs> Hi, Kristen. Welcome to all of you. We are really, really glad that you're here. You may be seated. And um, when there are so many other places on this planet you could be today, it means so much that you're here and uh, you've brought your families. And, we're really grateful for that and try hard, so hard, not to take that for granted. But we really, really appreciate that. And we pray that you'll experience the Lord's goodness and, and favor and blessing. I still have on my mind and my heart, at least for the next couple of weeks, this, this genuine desire that we experience this gift from Christ of oneness in, in his name. I'm thankful to all of you just for your investment here, your prayerful um, witness and being a part of the work of God through the body of Christ here at First Baptist North. And not only here, but around the world. Um, many of you are, are planning trips to, to invest in our partnerships around the world. And so we're grateful for that as well. And as we have our eye on kind of the Easter season, and we do, we're thinking about the opportunities that we have to proclaim Christ at a very key time of year. I've been just kind of rehearsing and reviewing in my mind some of the great passages in the Word of God that help us kind of think about what God did for us in Christ. One of the passages that um, I spent some time in this past week was Isaiah 53. That great, powerful word from the ancient prophet as he gives us a vision of the suffering servant. This one who would come and, and bring, usher in, Really, God's plan for redemption. He's talking about Jesus. He doesn't mention his name in that great passage in his prophecy. But, but we now, as the, the, the dawn of the New Testament has brought us more light, we understand that that's precisely who Isaiah was talking about. And he talks about the ministry of the body, the physical body of Jesus Christ during that time. It was an enormous sacrifice that Jesus made in his own flesh, his body. And Isaiah talks about it in, in really vivid detail that his body was bruised, like seriously bruised, broken, um, to the pl pl place where he was unrecognizable. You couldn't even really tell that he was human. He was so badly bruised and broken. His body took that kind of abuse and damage. 
talks about stripes. Isaiah said that it was with his stripes that, that we actually experience healing. Stripes only coming from this kind of lashing of some sort of horrifying device that we know nothing of, of course, in our day and culture, thankfully, but it was, it was standard in that time for a criminal, someone who was just stripped of all um, his um, privileges and rights, was just so violently abused by this, this weapon of torture, that, and it caused stripes to literally... Uh, emerge across his body. And in that, somehow Isaiah pointed to the, the powerful healing work of Christ in our lives. Imagine his body. And the passage that I want us to look at this morning as we consider this, again, this notion of what it means to be one in the body of Christ talks about how his body, the literal physical body of Christ, is what made our salvation possible. Why we are even here today in every way. His body lived and walked. It touched. It, it healed. It showed compassion. It, it reached out in affection. It suffered indescribable pain and affliction. It was broken. It was punctured. It bled out. And ultimately it perished. His body. And then it was laid in the ground. It was, it was, put, it was put in the earth. In a sepulcher. A cold, dark place uh, in, the, uh, in the tomb. And in his body, it, it, it rose again in great, enormous power on the third day and ascended into the presence of Almighty God. The body of Christ brought you and me access to Almighty God. Imagine that, his body. It cleansed us from a guilty conscience. Set us free from the law of sin and death. His body. But as the apostles picked up this great theme, and as Christ is now ascended on high, you see there's a, there's a new manifestation of that, that, that same reality. Because now, you see, his body is the church. The body of Christ made manifest and united in his spirit. You are his body. I am his body. We are his body together. With the same force, the same compelling power and reality to touch lives and encourage and lift up and heal and bring renewal and hope. We are his body now. What a great, enormous thought. We are the body of Christ. And so because of all that, we can experience a remarkable supernatural oneness with him and with one another because we're the body of Christ. Now this passage I want to invite you to turn to is Hebrews chapter 10. Got a copy of the scriptures or something that allows you to look at the word of God this morning. I want to invite you to go there with me. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to read this, this section because I think it's going to help us. It's going to encourage us in some very specific ways as we round out our time thinking about this important gift of unity. Hebrews uh, chapter 10, starting with verse 19. This is what... 
he writes, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. That's his body. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. That's access with God through his death. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But rather encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Wow, isn't that great? An enormous encouragement for all of us who, because of his body, are now his body together. This passage demonstrates, I see, four, four practical realities that we can all begin to experience as part of the body of Christ. And they begin with a very tender and gracious invitation, each one of them an exhortation, let us, let us, let us. First, let us us approach God. Let us draw near to God. That's what one translation says. Let us go right into the presence of God with a sincere heart, fully trusting in him. Let us draw near to God because all is good because of what he did for us in Christ's body. This simply means, listen, bringing yourself into closer and closer proximity and intimacy with God with absolutely no worries. None. Individually and collectively as the body of Christ, let us draw near to him. That's the invitation. Now the other morning, it was very, very early. The house was still dark and I, I had gotten up early started a pot of coffee and I was, I was just really kind of enjoying the quietness kind of sitting in my chair beginning to think about the beginning of the day and um, the door kind of creaked open next to me the door just kind of so I felt a little brush of air in the darkness and out of the corner of my eye I saw a little figure a shadow of a person blonde kind of curly head, about four foot, nothing. It was Jonathan. He had just gotten up early. And he just, he broke open the door. He, he stepped into the room and he saw me in the chair. And he just came up to me and he patted me on the chest and he said, how you doing, Dad? And then he hopped up and curled up and put his head on my shoulder and there he sat. It's all good. This Jonathan just drawing near. Just cracked the door and came in. Never gave it a thought. Didn't ask permission. Wasn't concerned at all about the response. Just drew in. 
That's the invitation. Because of the work of Christ's body, what he did for you, what he did for me, the invitation is to draw near. Let us draw near to God. You can do that. You can just crack the door open. You can, you can come into God's presence. You have gained full um, access to him. No worries. Full assurance. You can know him. You, you can speak with him. You can come into his presence just like Jonathan did on that early morning. It, it, it's a good way to start your day. Drawing near to God. Simply pursuing him in pleasure and quietness and intimacy in his presence. And there's something you need to know about this God. Not only has pre, he provided access to you, but he loves it when you come. Because later on in this same book, in, a, in Hebrews chapter 11, this writer says, This God, this God loves it when you seek him, and he is a rewarder of you when you do it. Love that. He will be there. He will not only welcome you into his presence when you draw near to him, he will reward you. But listen, you will also be changed. Things happen when we draw near to God, when we pursue him, when we come into his presence. Not just me personally, but all of us as the body of Christ. He changes us. I was thinking about Isaiah, you know, in Isaiah, in that great chapter, in Isaiah chapter 6, when he talks about that bizarre encounter with Almighty God. And he said he came into his presence. I don't know how, I don't know how it happened, but he did. And he describes it, that he saw him high and lifted up. And he, 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 he saw and he witnessed this, this crazy experience of angels kind of back and forth. And they were calling, holy, holy, holy. And this there was smoke. I mean, it was just something that we can't even experience or dream of, but Isaiah shows it. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of all of that wonder, it's like Isaiah goes, whoa, wait a minute. There's something not right with me. And it was very specific. I've got unclean lips. And here I am in the presence of, of God. I've drawn near to him. I see him high and lifted up. And I'm all of a sudden focused on this fact that I'm, I'm off the mark with things that are coming out of my mouth. See, we change. He, he moves towards us. He remakes us. He converts us. He, he makes us more holy. He, he puts his finger on things in our lives that are, that are dishonoring to him and that can ultimately, listen, break down this great gift of oneness with him and, and with others. That's the value of drawing near. Let us do that. Let us do that. Let us draw near to him. Come into his presence. He will reward you. He'll bless you. He'll also, he'll transform you. He'll make you more worthy. Let us, let us draw near to God. But there's something else that he says. Let us also hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm because God is faithful. He can be trusted. Let us hold on to hope. Hope. This is a good thing, isn't it? Hope. Hope helps me keep my focus on, on things that are good, things that are eternal. Not my little measly kind of problem situations, but... I. I I hold on to hope, and we are not only invited to draw near to God, but to hold on to this hope that is ours, because God is faithful. He will always come through. He can be trusted. 
Hope allows me to see good in my brothers and sisters in Christ. Regardless of the circumstance, holding on to hope that God is faithful, it strengthens my confidence that God is at work. He is faithful. He will do this. Just like Jesus' body, his literal body brought hope to the world through life, suffering, death, and ultimately resurrection. So now we, the church, as the body of Christ, can also bring that same compelling hope. God is faithful when you can't see the future. He is faithful. We hold on to that hope that he knows. He knows what's around the bend. He knows what, exactly what we're going to need, exactly when we're going to need it. God is faithful when you're discouraged, when, when things aren't adding up. God is faithful. God is faithful when your mate is distant or even hurtful in his ways. God is faithful when your friends forsake you because of your confidence in Jesus Christ or because you no longer want to participate, perhaps, in ungodly things. God is faithful, and we are encouraged, we are invited graciously and gently by Almighty God. Let us hold on to hope. Hold on to the hope. And the body of Christ is made one. It's edified together. Let me ask you a question. Are you a hopeful person in the body of Christ? Do you hold out hope? And encouragement. Do your words and your attitudes foster and encourage hope in the faithfulness of God? Is that what comes out of your life? Is that what comes out of your attitude and out of your words and out of the things that you do in and amongst the body of Christ and those that you serve alongside? You see, we can get so buried in our world, so buried in our thoughts, so overcome by our jadedness or our cynicism that we miss the joy and simple hope of the moment. And the other day I was in the kitchen and I was having one of those moments or days or whatever where I was just, I just had something on my noodle and I was, I was in a knot. You know, I was just, you know, just it, it had me by the throat. And so I was just, you know, a mess. But anyway, my son Jacob was just kind of, you know, messing with me a little bit. He's trying to get me to lighten up. You know, poking me and hey, you know, I was just man, I wasn't having any part of it. I was on this thing and nothing was. And he kept on, you know, just messing with me and trying to jack me. He likes to tickle, you know. He knows he can get me off of a mark there if I start. So he was on it, and finally I just <laughs> and he said, oh, "Come on, Dad, have a little fun before your kids go off to college." <laughs> man, it was a it was a it went right down the middle. He rung my bell. A little different perspective. That's what hope does. There's more than just this thing. It's beyond us. It can free us. Paul writes to the, to the believers at Galatia. He said, listen, if you see a brother who's struggling, who's in sin, Club him. Oh, no, wait, that's not what it says. If you see a brother struggling with all gentleness and humility, restore him. And in the process, while you're at it, don't forget to reflect on your own life lest you fall into the same trap. That's hope. 
God's grace. That's what we need. You see, let us all, let us all hold on to this hope. Let us be dispensers of it. Let us be believers of it. Let us also be people of hope. We, 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 we exude hopefulness because of what the body of Christ did for us. It's all good. And then he goes on to say, a third one, let us, let us do something else, and that is let us encourage. Let us think of ways, this is verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's think about that. That's a greater vision. First of all, let us, let us think of ways to encourage one another to experience genuine love. <laughs> That's a good thing, isn't it? The Spirit of Christ takes some time out of our self-absorbed ways to just make certain someone other than ourselves feels genuinely loved and supported in the Spirit of Christ. Do that. That's a good thing. Let us do that. It, it, it encourages. It, it, it brings a spirit of oneness to the whole body. This is what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did with his body. Here's this leper completely outcast from culture because of his disease and because of a religious system that linked his disease to some sort of sinful pattern, you know, that kind of stuff. And there he's all alone, completely rejected, couldn't get a job, was destitute. And not only that, it had probably been decades since anyone had ever reached out and actually touched him physically. And Jesus comes onto the scene. And the scripture says that he reached out his hand and he touched a leper. He put his hand on, 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 on the sore, stricken body of this man who'd so long been abused and deprived of just a simple act of love. <laughs> so, let us, let's think about ways we can do the same thing. People just need to feel loved, genuinely loved, not abused, not manipulated, just like they matter. Unconditionally loved. Let us think of ways we can do that. But there's a second aspect. Not only feel and experience love, but let us think of ways that we can encourage people to actually do good things. <laughs> to love and good deeds. To actually move them along in their experience with, with Christ. To, to, to be loved is great, to experience that, but also to act out you see, in a way that honors Christ and promotes unity and love and harmony in the body. Let, let's think of ways that we can encourage people to do that as well. Christ, in his body, he, he bore our sorrows. He took our sins. His body was wounded for our transgressions. Jesus said, listen, this is my body. 
It wasn't some sort of existential metaphor that Jesus was using. He was standing there talking to these men whom he had vested his whole life in ministry. And he said, this is my body and it is broken. It is completely given up for you. Guess what? We are his body. We are his body. Let's consider how, how we can, as his body, love and serve one another. Finally, verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together. As some people do, <laughs> there's that some again. They showed up in last week's sermon. There's this some, this some. <laughs> he doesn't name them, he just says some. So they're out there. But let us not do that, you see. Let us rather make, make this wholesale resolve to be together. To encourage one another in our coming together in corporate fellowship and worship. Especially now, he says, that the day of his return is drawing near. Oneness and harmony in the body of Christ are experienced corporately. Known when we affirm and commit to the wonder and power of corporate praise and worship. Isn't it good to be here? It is. It's always good to be here in the body of Christ. Lifting up his name and singing and worshiping together. Or coming together in our Sunday school time. And in our, our ministries and small groups. All of this matters. And he's simply saying let us not forget to do that. This is an exhortation to, re to renew our commitment to be together. Listen, really, we really need you here. We need your family here to live and serve and worship together. We need you. God needs you. We all need each other to be here, to pursue God, to pursue people, to offer yourselves in holy praise and worship. Let us not get in the habit of being somewhere else other than here when God has invited us to come to this place. It promotes oneness <laughs> in the body of Christ. And then he says, let us encourage one another, especially now that the day is drawing here. You know what this means? Let me just make this really simple. This, this simply means turning around and, and seeing if there's anyone else around you. Just turn around in your pew and look. Or look down the row. What are you going to see? You're going to see people. <laughs> look, look behind you. There's people behind you. You see them? <laughs> there they are. People. This is people. This is, a, this is about one another. This is about looking across the room. This is about walking across the room. This is, this is just about being together and making a commitment to be, be the body of Christ. A long time ago, I guess when I first got here, I preached a little thing on Ephesians about the importance of what it means to be the church. And I, I 
picked up on this little rhyme that I learned when I was a kid. But I decided that I wanted to kind of redo it. And it kind of went something like this. This is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. I can't do it as well as I used to be able to because my fingers are kind of stiff and stuff. But I like it this way, for what it's worth. Sorry to all you purists out there who like it the way it was originally done. This is the church. It has a nice steeple. But the church is not the building. Church is the people. You are the church. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are His workmanship. We are the sheep of His pasture. We are broken for one another. We are sacrificed for one another. We, we are the hope of the world. Christ in you is the hope of glory. So, let us draw near to God. It's all good. Let's do that. Just come into his presence and let him change us. Let him, let him bless you and reward you and, and let us hold out hope. God is faithful. He's going to finish this. He's, gonna, he's good. He's got this. So just, let's just hold out hope. And let, let's think of ways that we can make sure that people around us, people that we are in relationship with, has experienced the genuine love of God and that we are challenged to, to, to do his work. And then keep coming. Keep investing. Keep serving. Keep worshiping. Keep praying. Keep at it. Let's, let, let's stay together. For the praise and glory of his name. Now, I really believe that there may be someone in this room this morning that is listening to all of this and saying something like, what in the world is he talking about? And if that's the case, it's possible. It's just possible. You've been coming here for a long time, or maybe maybe you're in relationship with someone here that's brought you, but you you have never experienced a relationship with God. You don't even know what we're talking about. You have never realized that you need a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You've never called on the Lord for forgiveness. You've never asked him to be your savior and your God. And I want you to know 
this is the place for you to do that. We want you to know God. We want you to know his goodness and his grace. That's ultimately what brings us together. We want people to know God through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you've never done that, we want to invite you to ask him into your life today. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We want you to do that. And all together, you see, we want to be his body in fellowship with him and in fellowship with one another. Bow our heads and our hearts and close your eyes. Just let God do a work in your heart this morning. If you say, Lord, you know, Mark, that's me. I've never made a commitment to God. I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. I've listened. I've been trying to figure this thing out. I love these people who are trying to love me and have brought me to this place, but I've never actually given my life to Jesus Christ. We want you to do that right now. Just, just pray, Lord God, I need you in my life. And I ask you to come into my life through your son, Jesus Christ. Forgive me for my sins. Save me. And Father, hear the prayers of all who call upon your name on this day. Father, we ask, oh God, that with your gracious spirit, you would make us one. To the praise and glory of your name, we ask it. Amen. Stand and sing.
Justice and prayer. 